You're listening to the Teen Entrepreneur Podcast, where you'll hear about the startups teens have created and learn about their struggles and successes along the way. I'm your host, Melissa, and today's guest is one of my friends, Min. Min is a teen entrepreneur, incoming high school senior based in Louisville, Kentucky. He's the founder and executive director of STEM Chats. In addition, he's the VP of programming at STEMI, chief marketing officer at Youth Powerhouse, junior partner at Juve Consulting, editor-in-chief at The Student Scientist, and education associate at Save the Water. So Min, so glad that you could join us today. Why don't you first tell us, um, I'm assuming, correct me if I'm wrong, that you're most involved with STEM chats and STEMI, is that right? Yes, I'm super passionate about STEM education and equity in it. So why don't you give everyone an introduction into who you are, what you do for fun, and a little bit more about the organizations that you work with. Yeah, so as you said, I am a rising high school senior in Louisville, Kentucky, and what I do for fun is I play violin in different orchestras, as well as I just search for local food places um, because I really like eating food. Um, in terms of my work with STEMI and STEM chats, so I recently got started a few years ago in the summer of my sophomore year with STEMI. So how I found out about STEMI is that before it was an actual nonprofit, it used to be a club at my school and it just helped students like me with science fair. And then it kind of organically grew into a nonprofit called STEM plus youth or STEMI. And I was one of the first fellows programs. And so what I did in the fellows program is I developed a program called STEMI Academy, which is a two-part workshop program for underprivileged middle school students. So basically, the first part is like fun little STEM activities paired along with like, like a short lesson to really get middle school students interested in STEM, to think that it's fun, things like that. And then the second part is really more hardcore, um, in-depth research to show them the real-world applications of STEM education. And so when I was developing this program, I worked along with two other people. Their names are Betty and Priya, and Betty is a rising senior at Manuel also, and Priya just graduated high school. And so this was the first year we kind of had this program, and we're going to have it again next year, except we're going to expand it to four more schools. So we're super excited about that. And then I recently became vice president of programming through, they were, STEMI was identifying different people for different leadership positions and I was chosen to be one of them. So now as vice president of programming, I kind of help the different programs. Like I maintain the bridge between corporate level and program level and just really help them get what they need. For example, if they need to schedule a meeting with the school to set a program or if they need to just get resources from our funding department, things like that. Me. Um, in terms of STEM chats, I actually got involved with STEM chats because I attend local STEM lectures with KY Seminar, a community organization in Louisville, Kentucky, and we host like different seminars. They're free lectures, they're free STEM lectures that researchers give. And we just have it at like this restaurant called the Mellow Mushroom. So it's pretty chill and it's completely free to the public. So high school students can attend, um, PhDs can attend. That's how I got the idea for STEM chats. So STEM chats is kind of be the national version of Steminar. So STEM chats, what we do is we're going to have different chapters around the United States and every chapter is going to tailor what they do towards their city. So for example, um, they all have a basic requirement of holding one STEM chat a month. So these STEM chats really are to bring conversation to the minorities in STEM, for example, women, Southeast Asians, 
now I'm working with somebody I met through QuestBridge. And if you don't know what QuestBridge is, it's a program that helps low-income, high-achieving high school students to get into top colleges. So I met somebody through there named Ruben. Ruben. And so we're currently working on STEM chats. We recently started accepting applications um, for people to become chapter founders. So we're really like working on that right now. How did you first get involved with STEM? Was this something that you were always interested in from a young age? Um, I wouldn't say always. So um, there's been like a lot of barriers in my life that pushed me away from STEM. So I guess that's why I'm more drawn to it. So I attend a magnet high school. And if you know what a magnet high school is, it's basically like a high school with like different majors, I guess. And like my magnet is math, science, technologies. So that's how I first actually got involved in STEM. I actually attended a middle school for math, science, technology, but the programming in middle school wasn't so great. So having the opportunity to attend like the number one high school in Kentucky with super great STEM programming and stuff really helped me to get more interested in STEM. But at the same time, even though I attended the school with all these resources, they didn't really understand how to appeal to low-income students and minority students because most of the people who attend the high school, of course, is more affluent students, um, students who come from more affluent backgrounds. So that's what really got me interested in helping with STEM equity and things like that. Mm -hmm. So you also mentioned that there were some barriers. What are some examples of barriers that were in the way of you pursuing STEM when you were younger? For me personally, I was an immigrant, so my parents didn't really know how to speak English, and they don't really work in STEM. So the first barrier was being low income, and I'm still low income. At my school, you have to do science fair research every year, and my school sends the most students to top research competitions and international science fairs and things like that. So like we basically glorify research, right? But most of these students who um, attend these top competitions are really students whose parents have like deep work in STEM and they have like lab connections so they can get in a lab when they're in middle school. So they've been kind of like training and prepping for this since they were in like middle school. Um, but obviously my parents didn't really have that because they don't work in a lab and they don't work in STEM. When I first got started with science fair, I actually like hated it because nobody really kind of guided me to where I needed to be or I didn't really have the resources I wanted to do. Well, I didn't have a lab. I had to do things at home and things like that. First year doing science fair was actually my freshman year and I did a home project that tested the effect of temperatures on solar cell. And I somehow managed to get first place at the same science fair. So that's like when I really got interested in like research and STEM more. So yeah, the first barrier was being just low income and not really having any connections, I guess. Um, the second barrier, I wouldn't say it's a barrier. I just say it's like kind of like minority thing. So Southeast Asians are actually minorities in education and minorities in STEM. Um, a lot of the time people can like always talk about, oh, wait, are you are you sure they're minorities? Well, According to um, national research and stuff, Southeast Asians have one of the lowest rates of college degree obtainment in the United States and in the world. So that's like, oh wow, that's just kind of like that. a thing. Yeah, yeah. And then what what regions do you mean when you say Southeast Asia, like Vietnam? Yeah, like Vietnam, Laos, Philippines, uh, Thailand. Yeah, those those regions. Third barrier are like again like kind of minority thing i'm also lgbtq plus so that's just kind of like an extra 
thing. But the most um, the most important thing was like being low income and trying to like overcome that and the opportunities. Do you think that you would still be interested in STEM if you didn't go to such a high achieving magnet high school? I think I would still be interested in STEM, but I think I wouldn't have been this involved and I didn't really know about other opportunities, I guess. I think definitely if I attended any other high school, I wouldn't have as many opportunities as other people would. I wouldn't really know about what I could do from a young age. You mentioned that since that you were low income, there were a lot of barriers that came to entry when entering like the world of like STEM. So how have you been encouraging STEM education among low income communities? Definitely the first big thing was STEMI Academy. And so we're hosting the program. Um, It's completely free to the school that we're hosting it for. So last year, it was our first year and it was at two... Um, middle schools in these middle schools we identify as low income because over like 50 percent of them is on free and reduced lunch as well as most of the school is minority students so that's how we identify which schools to pick um and then so that program really helped with the low income community and we actually did metrics on that so over 80 percent of students were more interested in stem after stem academy Um, in the low-income area, and then over 90% of them got developed more STEM knowledge. So we're really, like, seeing an impact, and that was only at two schools. Um, We're now expanding to four schools next year, so I hope that there's more impact and the community knows more about STEMI Academy. Um, And the second way is just through the different things I do with Steminar and STEM Chats. So STEM Chats, since it's going to be completely free STEM lectures. It's gonna really help student researchers get inspired because that's what I had when I had seminar. So I actually attended a seminar about like air pollution and effects on the health where I got inspired to do my research. Um, so hopefully that helps inspires other students to do research as well. I've also been working in for STEMI, a peer mentorship program for science fair. So basically the program helps students who have never done research before get into a lab and do their own research. So my mentee, her name's Sophie. She had never done science fair before, but I actually helped her a lot and she gone off to medal at the state competition. And so that was really heartwarming um, because we developed like a super close relationship. And so I would just say my overall work with STEMI Academy and STEMI and what I'm doing right now really helps overcome low-income barriers. Whenever I do work like that, I really think about it from my perspective because since I am low-income, I really think about like what these students are thinking if they're not really going to these programs or if they're not finding about these opportunities, how do we help them? That's that's definitely so cool. It seems like you come from background where you didn't have access to some of these opportunities when you were in middle school, and so you wanted to provide things like this to other low-income students. And for STEMI Academy, what sort of curriculum do you provide? In the first part, we go to the middle schools. Every two weeks, we kind of do like a fun lesson. So for example, the first lesson last year at the middle schools was Ublek. And so if you don't know what Ublek is, it's like 
kind of slime, I guess, but like special slime. So when you um, punch it really hard, it gets like super solid. But oh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Is it like that liquid and solid yeah, stuff? Yeah, so oh, yeah. So when you like cool. just like put your hands through it, it's like a liquid. And so we built that, and then they learned about non-Newtonian fluids. Um, and so we kind of like did fun STEM activities like that throughout the first semester of the year. So that's when part A is held. Um, another lesson we did for part A was edible DNA. So the students made like DNA structures out of marshmallows and Twizzlers and and they learned about like base pairings, A and T and G and U. Um, so that's like directly at the schools we go to. And then the second part, we actually partner with the Kentucky Science Center. So that's a big help because they have a really big space students kind of have to like apply or sign up because we have limited spaces and exciting because the second part is kind of like a mixture of both schools and different schools around Louisville and hopefully this year since we're doing at more middle schools last year we had around four or five different middle schools um, represented in part b and so part b around three hours usually a part a session is only around one hour so it's definitely longer um and so part b in addition to like Kentucky Science Center programming and like helping with their programs, we have our curriculum, which is we had three groups last year. And so the students were split into three groups and each group had like one big problem slash topic to focus on. So there was microbiology, um, there was electricity and magnetism, and my group was sustainable technology. And so in each group, you really learned about the problem and then you learn like new knowledge for them to solve it. So let me give you an example. So for my group, sustainable technology, um, they learned about like climate change and the greenhouse gases and our lack of renewable energy. And then we kind of explore different renewable energy such as um, solar cells or such as wind power, such as water power. And they did like a final project slash presentation on how these energies can really help solve the sustainable um, crisis. So that's kind of like an intro to more deeper STEM learning. When you speak, it's so obvious that you're super passionate passionate about working with things like this. So what would you say is one of the biggest challenges when uh, helping provide like a STEM education to low-income students? Yeah, since I think the biggest challenge, honestly, is just sometimes not being taken seriously because, you know, like as normal high school students wouldn't really do this stuff so I would say the hardest thing that's about setting up semi academy was like just getting the meetings because we had to contact multiple schools and like really have calls and in-person meetings with like the principal all the teachers and things like that so just like getting that first initial meeting once we had that meeting like the administrators and the teachers really saw how passionate and how excited we were to really have the program I think this year for STEM Academy, it would definitely be easier since we already had the program and we had such great results. The different schools will tell each other about it and we definitely have like data to back us up. Yeah, it's definitely a lot easier once you start going with the program and then building up from there. Yeah, so you mentioned that you were in high school. You're a rising senior. For someone who's in high school, how do you find the time to balance all of the stuff that you're doing in also school, what do you decide to prioritize? Uh, definitely a guilty confession. I do prioritize STEMI and STEM chats and 
the outside things I do in activism more than school. That's actually kind of like an opposite problem for me. Um, so I just kind of do my homework when I have like any like bits of free time at all. Or sometimes I'm like in the car and I have like a two hour car ride before I get to an event. So I just kind of find like little bits of time to really do my homework so that when I'm at home, I can really focus on my work, STEMI and STEM chats. It sounds like you're pretty good at time management then. Is there another personal habit that you have that you think really contributes to your success? In terms of like, just like overall working on stuff, quality is definitely more important than quantity. For example, um, I learned this the hard way. So sometimes when I was like developing lessons plan for STEMI Academy, I kind of spent like hours and hours on it. But once I really got into that groove and once I really saw like what needed to be in a lesson and not all this extra stuff, you just kind of like um, run and go and do it because like once you get like the core like information down, it doesn't really take that long. And I guess like it since with like experience, um, once you do it multiple times, it just gets easier. So it takes less time. And sometimes like then that's also helpful because um, if you like written a grant multiple times, it definitely takes less time than if you've written it, you know, it was your first time writing a grant or if you're developing a lesson plan um, and trying to develop like a whole lesson plan for a whole program over a few months, the same things apply. So I guess experience crunches down the time. And so that way, if you have, because you know, as you go out throughout the year, there's like more work in school as well. So that will also help you with, you know, just doing your work in school and out of school. That's, that's definitely some good advice. Right now I'm trying to make an audio curriculum for 1000 books. And to be honest, I've kind of put off starting it because it's something that I've never done before. So I think once I get started with it, it's going to be a lot easier and I'll definitely have more fun with it. Um, what is the best piece of advice that you could give to a teen or anyone just in general who's looking to start something and make an impact in the world? Where do you start? The advice I would give is just be open and listen like crazy because you never know, like you could be like doing your homework in a cafe one day and somebody could be talking about like, um, an opportunity right next to you and you're not listening or just like one of your friends is doing something really exciting and if you ask them has that ever happened to you before where you were like yeah definitely yeah for STEMI before it was a nonprofit, um it was called the manual science review and so like I attended like lectures that they had at school for science here and stuff they talked about like how um the manual science review is like expanding and it's going to become like a local nonprofit. So that was like really exciting. And so that's how I like found out about the fellows program. And I like, just, I guess just like talking to people, like, I know this sounds kind of like cliche, but like really everybody's doing a lot of exciting things. And if you just want to, yeah, start doing stuff, just talk to people. And I guess like that's much easier now in this day and age since we have like the internet and like everybody's always posting about like what they do and just like keeping up with people's social media as well as just like talking to them personally um you'll learn a lot about what they do and their experience can also help you so just like keeping an open mind and talking to literally everyone min is a social media god probably like one of the most 
like social media oriented people I know. So to those people who aren't as familiar with social media, convince them why companies should be using social media and the importance of social media in today's age. Yeah, definitely for me. I'm on social media uh, way too much, but I think it's like it has a lot of advantages. So I've learned about like a lot of opportunities through like social media, even like on Snapchat or Instagram, or if I'm like on video chat with somebody and they just like bring up like an opportunity. I met Melissa on Instagram. Um, yeah, I actually DM'd him and I was like, we should talk sometime. Yeah, so just like being open, um, open-minded on social media. And let's be real, like for companies, like teenagers, don't watch TV that much anymore. But I mean, like we watch Netflix and stuff, but like in terms of like advertising, definitely social media is the way to go. Uh, Like everybody's always on like Snapchat or Instagram. And so whenever you have like an opportunity or whenever you have like a new product you want to sell, social media, definitely that's how people hear about it. And then after social media, it's definitely word word of mouth. So just appealing to teenagers and people in general on social media is definitely the way to go. Yeah, I agree with that. I think social media is one of the easiest ways that you can reach a large amount of people at once. Like if you integrate ads or something, and especially teens, if you're a company who's looking for teens or if your target market is teens, social media is the easiest way to reach them. Is there anything else that I missed or that you want people to know about you? Yeah, so since I started my work with STEMI and things like that kind of coincided with the rise of student movement and student voice. So, for example, like March for Our Lives, the Climate March, Women's March, things like that. I'm involved in that, but I'm also like more involved in like STEM-oriented things. So, for example, like the March for Science, I um, was a representative of that and I had like a booth for STEMI there with my other STEMI team members and just really going around schools and different activities and events and talking about my work with STEMI and my journey in youth activism and in youth really entrepreneurship and talking to different people just about my work. So for example, what what I'm doing right now, um, it's like helping give a voice to my program and the nonprofit I work in as well as the students that we serve. Mm -hmm. We're wrapping up this episode of the Teen Entrepreneur Podcast, but I'll let you give yourself a little little bit of a plug. How can people reach you or any of the organizations that you're involved with? My social media is at MinTrenOK, so M-I-N-H-T-R-E-N-O-K on everything, so Instagram. Snapchat, Twitter. Um, But yeah, I'm definitely on social media a lot. So if anybody wants to like talk to me about my work, just like hit me up on there. You can also reach me on LinkedIn, (laughs) I guess. I also post a lot of stuff on there. So like everything I do is on there. And in terms of um, the different organizations that I work with, um, I'll just say the main websites of the main organizations. So for STEMI, it's at STEMI.org, so S-T-E-M-Y.org. And for STEM chats, it's at stemchats.org, so S-T-E-M-C-H-A-T-S. But if you follow me on social media for Instagram, for example, I linked all of the social media for my 
organizations in my bio or if you have me on LinkedIn you can also see everything there. All right that wraps up this episode thank you so much Min for taking time out of your day I know it's pretty early in the morning right now so thanks for that glad that you could be here today. All right thank you so much have a good day. All right guys Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Teen Entrepreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and I'll catch you next week.